Hi, I'm Daniel, founder of Pretty Litter. Cats and cat owners deserve better than any old-fashioned litter. That's why I teamed up with scientists and veterinarians to create Pretty Litter. Its innovative crystal formula has superior odor control and weighs up to 80% less than clay litter. Pretty Litter even monitors health by changing colors to help detect early signs of potential illness. It's the world's smartest kitty litter. Go to prettylitter.com and use code ACAST for 20% off your first order and a free cat toy. Terms and conditions apply. See site for details. You're listening to Text Message, the UK-focused technology podcast with me, Nate Langson. And if you're one of our patrons, this is your extended ad-free version of this week's show. But if you're not yet a patron but would like to get our ad-free extended versions or listen and interact with us live, head to patreon.com forward slash UK tech and you'll get instant, instant access to our entire back catalogue of extended shows. And thank you very much to Scott Pritchett, JW and Christian Raoul, who are the three latest patrons helping us end this month with one patron at least more than last month. Ian is not here this week because he's still in his underground blast-proof ostrich farm, um, tending to his latest ostriches. Uh, But in his stead is Mr. Andy Hoyle. Hi. From CNET. Andy, it's been a little while since you've been on the show. I think maybe two weeks, possibly. A whole, yeah, maybe even three. It's, um, yeah. I feel like my voice has been sorely missed from the show, and certainly um, no one has been clamouring for me to return. So I'm really happy to... um, to sort of give this back to the people who have who've so sorely demanded me. I've just noticed as well, as we're recording, that you have a text message mouse mat. I do, yes. Um, which I've never seen before. I mean, I've seen mouse mats, obviously, but not specifically a text message one. Well, I needed a mouse mat. It's very 90s. It's for custom mouse mats. Let's get on with the news, I think, shall we, Andy? Um, I want to talk something this week that we've never talked about before, and it is the concept of upskirting. Don't worry, If you're listening with kids, we'll be very clean with this story. Uh, Prime Minister Theresa May says she wants to see a bill that will make upskirting a criminal offence pass through Parliament soon. This is after one of her own MPs blocked it, the BBC wrote this week. Now, upskirting is the act of taking a photograph underneath somebody's skirt. Um, And if the bill passed, it could mean up to two years in prison for anyone found guilty of the offence. But it's actually been a really controversial few days for this potential law. The bill was expected to sail through um, House, um, the, uh, the Commons on Friday, the BBC wrote, but parliamentary rules mean it only needed one MP to object by shouting objection uh, to block process. And MP Christopher Chope faced criticism from the Conservative Party, his own party, for doing just that. In fact, Liberal Democrat MP Weira Hobhouse, uh, she she was the woman who actually brought this private member's bill into Parliament, uh, has asked for the bill to return on the 6th of July for debate as a result. When Christopher Chope is on holiday, presumably. Well, he's one of the MPs, he's one of these backbenchers that for a long time has sort of objected to things on principle if they haven't been properly debated. That, and certainly that seems to be what his excuse, well, not excuse, it was his reason reason for this. Yeah. Rather than he enjoys upskirts and, and wants the bill to, to be canned. No, I mean, if you're watching if you're watching Parliament TV, which I'm sure you were, uh, Andy, I mean, I actually was when uh, when this happened, there's almost nobody in the Commons. Like it's it's everyone's gone. They're all out at the pub, I assume, yeah. doing something. There was there was a, a you know, a scattered group of people in Commons. And so there wasn't any real debate. And I think that's what one of the what Chope and some of these backbenchers do is if they feel that something hasn't been 
duly debated and discussed, particularly when you're talking about laws that could potentially send people to prison, then they'll sort of object on principle. But he hasn't come out, at least at the time of recording, to to say explicitly that that's why he objected. And he did get people were shouting shame at him, like something out of Game of Thrones. Shame, shame. Yeah. Um, but uh, but apparently, according to uh, Gina Martin, who is somebody who had been subjected to upskirting and, and who started a campaign for the law, said that he told her that he objected on principle because it wasn't debated. Again, according to the BBC. But he hasn't publicly, I don't think, um, he hasn't come out and, and said that on the record. Hmm. Um, But upskirting, now it seems to me to be one of these negative sides to smartphone popularity. I mean, correct me if I'm wrong, Andy, but rarely did did we ever see people with bulky film-based cameras trying to covertly take photos um, up the skirts of uh, unsuspecting women. Um, Although in some parts of the world, it became so popular that warnings on posters have been placed on public staircases and escalators encouraging people to be vigilant. Now, I've personally seen several such posters in Japan, and it's one of the reasons that the the little photo-taking sound that you get on on uh, on most smartphones can't actually be disabled in the country. So if you buy if you buy one that, when you uh, buy it in Japan, yeah. you can't you can't disable the sound. Yeah. Wow. It's 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 definitely been a real problem. The thing that surprised me most about this about this bill and this law is that this isn't already illegal like this is surely this is that is a massive that's an invasion of privacy that is all kind of things you know that would surely constitute sexual harassment there are so many things that that surely already is it's covered depending on how explicit the pictures are so uh, part of the reason why this you know what the, the the woman who was campaigning for this why she was campaigning is that the resulting picture because you can see her underwear, it's not considered. Um, it's not considered that kind of um, a level of explicitness that would that would count it as sort of an obscene act, and that that's part of the problem. But 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 otherwise, it isn't. I mean, it is illegal in many parts of in many parts of the world. I believe some parts of Japan has made have made it illegal now as well, but but quite recently. And I don't understand how this could not already be illegal. I just don't that. It is obviously wrong. I mean, there needs to be careful about how exactly this is this is done because you know I can imagine people sort of making excuses that if you were say, I don't know, if you took a photo of uh, of a girl on a tube, which which I don't agree with. I don't think you should ever take photos of people without without them sort of knowing you're doing this because maybe you say you really liked her quirky T-shirt, but she was also in a skirt and the angle that you were taking it from, it also sort of showed this upskirt view to a certain extent that could be obviously construed as an upskirt shot even if it wasn't intended to be so i think the 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 two years in prison needs to be applied um sensitively in the right ways but there's no question that doing that at all in any way is the wrong thing to do and i don't think i mean i don't think people should be going around taking uh, random shots of people on the tube on the bus anyway it's not it's just not a nice thing to do and certainly if, if your goal is to try and get your phone pretty much up someone's skirt to try and get this sexual photo that that's a criminal act in in any way that that's that that is wrong i mean there are there are laws around the the concept of voyeurism that that do cover potential aspects of this so for example if you are if you are taking a photograph in a voyeuristic manner specifically for sexual gratification, um, you are committing an offence. 
already and that's in that's in the current law and has been for about 15 years um or if that if if you're filming somebody who is 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 taking part in a sexual act and they don't know that you're watching and recording them that's also and they and so specifically hasn't given consent but don't they have to be doing a sexual act isn't that kind of what voyeurism yes so so but so this wouldn't include people just sort of sitting on on the tube or on the bus and you do that because they aren't doing a sexual act they're just out they're just living their lives so that wouldn't qualify as voyeurism exactly yeah, that's that. That's a big part of this. That's a big part of the problem. And it's one of these laws where where the law hasn't necessarily kept up with the advancements of technology. Because this was definitely. I, I remember when I was the first time I was in Japan, which was in 2011, and I saw several of these posters. But it was at a time when most people I would see with with phones were using flip phones, and they had a camera on the front, and they were they were the ones that were so commonly used for this so-called upskirting because it was it was actually very easy because of a the long nature of a mm. of one of these flip phones when it was flipped open meant you could sort of slip it conveniently yeah. underneath. And probably selfie sticks would make this even easier because you can have your phone pointing upwards and just very sort of as you, even as you're walking along the street just sort of casually move the end of the stick out into into sort of almost the pathway of, of, of a person walking past, hit the little little button to take a photo, it makes it even easier. Yeah, exactly. Not that I want to give people tips on how to improve their upskirt shots, but that, that would seem, I, I would have assumed that that is an item that would make that even more prevalent. Yeah, or just put mirrors on your shoes. Or that. Which was... Uh... Dave Lister's suggestion in Red Dwarf. Um, don't take that as a suggestion. It's it's a horrible thing to do. And I imagine that this law will pass um, within due course, but it's uh, it's not been without its controversial history, at least. Um, but if you have any thoughts on this, do let us know. Hello at techpodcast.uk. I'm very curious if anyone has been uh, subjected to this and, and what they, they view this... Um, sort of halting of the law being passed. What do you think then of, of things like, because in a similar note, if we're talking about taking photos of people in the public, not necessarily for sexual reasons as such, but there's, um, I know of a website, it's called Tube Crush, and it's where presumably women, I think it's supposed to be, will take photos of men on the tube, handsome men, and then post it to this this website. It will be um, you know, candid shots they don't realise, and um, it's I think it's tubecrush.net. Oh yeah, you've you've you found it there, and it'll be you know pictures just of 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 men just on the tube. You know, handsome men. Oh look at his shorts, and it's it's very it's not you know they're not it's men wearing general clothes, so it's not supposed to be sexual. They're not trying to get a particular indecent angle because you know it'll be men in clothes and not wearing and it's not upskirt or anything like that but the idea is here is this attractive person in an attractive pose look at how attractive this, this person is and that's not you know that's so it's not necessarily sexual but it's it's supposed to be viewed in that sort of general sense yeah. so so it you know and, and if that isn't illegal which it isn't you can take pictures of people in public it would qualify as street photography when you're going out people are out and about in public where they are i think the law says if you're it's somewhere where you would expect to be seen then you can have your photo taken um i don't really know how, how do you feel that this differs because it's not sexualized but it it, it is it, it's look at this handsome person i don't like it because i've had it done to me 
um, and I caught someone doing it when we were, Kate and I were both on a tube from an event and I was wearing a knitted jumper of a farmyard scene. <laughs> it had chickens on it, it had a, a farmhouse, it had all sorts and Kate was wearing a dress covered in cows and we were both wearing sort of head mounted, they were meant to be eye stalks that you would have on a on a snail but they were they were mandibles essentially. Of course they were. And I caught a woman sitting across from us taking a picture and I put my hand up and said hello. But I was but I was annoyed. I was annoyed because even though she wasn't breaking the rule, it's like just ask. I wouldn't have yeah. minded if I mean she in asked. a way I can't blame her because if I saw two people who looked that bonkers, I'd probably want to take a photo too. But um But just ask. People don't mind. If people are clearly wearing eccentric outfits you see this at festivals if i saw this last week when i was at a festival mm. like people if they're dressed eccentrically they they may be very happy to have their picture taken if you just ask their permission yeah but 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 it was it was the lack of asking um but this is i mean this is definitely a softer um a softer version of of, of upskirting uh definitely it's looking yeah. through this website it's it's as innocent as taking pictures of people without them knowing can be and it's it's meant to be complimentary yeah. it is all of men which is i'd be interested to know what people think of that because I, I, and that's also the other, the other point is all of men i don't know if there is a version for women uh, as in of women, but which I know that would definitely be viewed as as much worse because that would be seen as being quite predatory. Um, and um, obviously, a lot of people, if women, if they saw that, would would feel a lot more um, uncomfortable um, about that than I think a lot of men would. Um, but it's I, I find it I find it unusual when we're talking about the difference between taking potential upskirt photos in public and taking these sorts of photos in public because in a way there's not actually a lot of difference when you're still the point of the photo is to take a photo of something that you find attractive well no the difference is is that somebody's undercarriage is not in public view whereas this these the faces of these gentlemen very much is like the the, the equivalent would be for the ones on this website where you can you see they're wearing shorts would be trying to angle the camera up their up their shorts and i think that would be well that would be I, and uh, this is a, this is much, to a much lesser extent but you see my my point it, uh, yeah it, yeah but any thoughts welcome very much on this hello at techpodcast.uk or tweet us your opinions at text message pod Well, staying on a sort of a similar topic, actually, two legal challenges have been launched against police forces in South Wales and in London over their use of automated facial recognition technology on the grounds the surveillance is unregulated and violates privacy, The Guardian wrote this week. The claims are being backed by the human rights organisations Liberty and Big Brother Watch following complaints about biometric checks at the Notting Hill Carnival on Remembrance Sunday at demonstrations and in high streets. Now, The Guardian said that according to Liberty, South Wales police have used facial recognition technology in public spaces at least 20 times since May 2017. One, uh, or on one occasion, at the 2017 Champions League final in Cardiff, I believe that's football, Andy. I think it is. Hmm. The technology was later found to have wrongly identified more than 2,200 people as possible criminals. At the time, a force spokesman told The Guardian that technical issues are common in all facial recognition systems, which means false positives will be an issue as the technology develops. The accuracy of the system used by South Wales Police has continued to improve. 
Now, the Home Office defends the use of biometric technologies as a crime-tackling measure, but does say it believes it should respect individuals' privacy, which is, I think, a little bit of a contradiction in terms there. Um, it's considering improvements to the governments of police use of this kind of tech, including creating an oversight board consisting of the biometrics commissioner, surveillance camera commissioner, information commissioner, and police representatives, which, frankly, if you are installing cameras and falsely identifying over 2,000 people as possible criminals, you probably should have a board of uh, an oversight board already. Uh, but the government is due to publish a biometrics strategy later this month, uh, again, according to The Guardian. This, to me, all makes uh, an awful lot of sense. And I appreciate that technology has to get some things wrong in order for those uh, you know, mistakes to be highlighted as issues so they can be fixed in future. But the lack of oversight and the lack of regulation for this definitely... I think, is a fair argument, wouldn't you say, Andy? Yeah, I think that's quite troubling because I think a false positive on, on someone like that, and it obviously depends on the level to which it's um, it's escalated to, it can be extremely damaging. If someone is is um, just simply going to watch a football game and they're, they're highlighted as a, uh, as a as a known terrorist and then they're brought in and they're questioned and it turns out, no, it isn't the wrong, you know, wrong thing. What if that What if that questioning of this completely innocent person remains on record and and then down the line maybe if they some do something else you know a, a a lesser crime than terrorism i don't know speeding or something and and this risk record is still there i don't know whether you know that false positive would be kept on record for them almost but, but certainly not I, well perhaps not but there have been issues that that other things have um have happened like that before um, and that could be extremely damaging, um, quite apart from the sort of emotional trauma of the person themselves to have to go through that at the time. Um, so I think any false positives uh, at all is is bad. That's not a, that's not a good thing, and needs to be it needs to be worked out. So having them put in these uh, these commissions in place and and these boards and and all this other stuff uh, is a good sign that they are taking the responsibility of that seriously. Now, there's a similar issue with CCTV, I think. But the difference there is that with CCTV, you can actually request footage of yourself if you ask them, um, if you know who the person is who, who has videoed you. And they've got to provide it within 30 days. They can charge you um, £10 in order to do that. But, but you can get it. So if you believe you've been photographed, you know, on video, closed circuit video, that is specifically, you can you can go and you can go and get it it'd be quite interesting and in, in the I, uk that is i wonder if anyone has done this but for them to plan out basically a movie of themselves and they go and do something but then the movie is shot entirely by cctv footage that they have requested from different shops different councils different things and then piece that together of what they're doing which could be quite interesting did they have sound cctv i don't think they have sound no uh, well maybe some of them do you'd have to dub it yeah, you could dub it or just put a put a, you know a long uh, dread note in there because the longer the note, the the more dread. That's a great idea. I've never thought of that. That is a really interesting idea. Yeah, it could be quite an interesting creative project. No one do that because it's my idea. I just I had that. We could totally do that. I mean, it'd be quite expensive. We're busy. 
Well, if you have requested closed circuit television footage of yourself, um, maybe you'd like to send it to us. You can do that by sending it to our email address, hello at techpodcastuk.uk. But uh, more realistically, if you have any views on the use of facial recognition, have you been wrongly identified as a ne'er-do-well in public you can let us know your thoughts and feelings on that too hello at techpodcastuk.uk or tweet us at text message pod european electronics and telecoms retailer dixon's carphone has revealed a hack of its systems in which the intruder attempted to compromise 5.9 million payment cards TechCrunch wrote this week. Now, the company said a review of its systems and data unearthed the breach. It also said it has informed the UK's data watchdog, the financial conduct regulator, and of course, the police. Now, the company said, again, according to TechCrunch, the vast majority of the cards were protected by chip and pin technology and said the data accessed in respect of these cards contain neither pin codes, card verification values, nor any authentication data enabling cardholder information or a purchase to be made. However, and of course, there's a however, a however, can't speak today. Around 105,000 of the access cards were non-EU issued and lacked chip and pin and said those cards have been compromised. So that would be people visiting uh, from outside of the EU coming in? Not necessarily. It could be someone who's living here but just has a bank card issued from a, a bank overseas. Oh. I, I would assume. Uh, now, in a statement, the company said, quote, as a precaution, we immediately notified the relevant card companies via our payment provider about all these cards so they could take the appropriate measures to protect customers. We have no evidence of any fraud on these cards as a result of the incident. Um, now, there was a little bit of extra data because in, in addition to the cards, intruders did also manage to access just over a million records containing non-financial personal data, such as name, address, email address, and things like that, TechCrunch wrote and uh, the company said that it's contacting people so maybe check your bank and maybe you know change your password on your email if you've been a customer of dixon's car phone recently now what's interesting about this is techcrunch said the company didn't reveal when its systems were compromised nor exactly when it discovered the intrusion nor how long it took to launch an investigation and luke in the discord this week had a similar thought to um, to me which was is this the first major data breach in the uk since the gdpr and that's the new data protection law and it certainly to my eyes it certainly seems to be and the new the, the gdpr law does strictly say that companies have to report security incidents like this within 72 hours of them being uh, of them becoming aware of it and failure to do so can result in huge fines as we've discussed at length in previous episodes um which but because we don't know specifically when this breach took place we don't know if they're revealing it now because it just happened and GDPR means they have to report it, or if it actually happened ages ago and they're only just reporting it now, which is potentially a little loophole in the law um, that you should possibly have to clarify um, when this happened. But um, Andy, have you bought anything from Dixon's car phone recently? Uh, no, not particularly. Um, I don't tend to buy from them, but I think it's anyone who who has is, is always worth, uh, worth remaining vigilant about what's coming and going from your bank account look for any irregularities um and to act on them and make sure everything's all in order um because these things do happen and it it, it can happen on mass with a with a data breach from a from a large company or it can be 
just you, where you could use your card somewhere and that information isn't handled properly, whatever happens and those things happen. So it's just, it's always good practice to, to do these things. Um, and as I say, we, we don't know exactly when this happened, um, but when these when these uh, when these data breaches have happened before, the companies that deal with it well are the ones that are very quick on. Here's what's happened. Here's what you need to do. Like they inform the customers immediately of of how to take action to avoid it escalating into something worse. And Yahoo actually got fingered this week for um for for not doing that. They got they got slapped with a fine from the ICO because of the 2014 data breach. Wow. So they've been uh, they've been punished for that. Um, would you like to know my favorite fact about Dixons? I'll just go with yes. Okay. Here's my favorite fact about Dixons. Dixons was the first store in which I ever heard any music coming directly off a mini disc. Andy, if you had a toaster that could burn any, any image at all onto your heated bread, buns, baps, baguettes, or bagels, what would it be? Oh, good one. Uh, I would want uh, one of... Can't be your own face. No, I, I actually really like um, what a slice of heated bread looks like, so I'd love a toaster to be able to sort of burn onto bread uh, what a piece of toast looks like. Okay. If you can imagine... If you can imagine Imagine bread, but it looks, it, it's got a picture of toast over the top of it. Mm. I'm going to show you something in my kitchen later that will blow your mind. Uh, but Sega believes you're wrong. And in fact, the correct answer is the face of Sonic the Hedgehog. Of course, of course. Yeah, that was going to be my number two. Alongside E3, Sega has announced that it is crowdfunding a toaster that burns Sonic's face onto your bread. Um the company said it's only going to make a thousand of these, which costs thirty-five dollars in the U.S. Now, annoyingly, the product won't ship directly to the U.K., but services like Reship um, would easily be a middleman for for those people who want one. I have have uh, used them before. Now, on Sega's Twitter feed, it said, "Quote: Every year at E3, publishers large and small announce fantastic new games. This year, we're changing it up a bit, presenting the all-new Sonic Toaster." Now, I followed the link to Sega.com, and I found a description of the toaster that read thus: "Are you tired of the same old toast? Do you find yourself constantly on the go and need a quick breakfast before you head out to collect those rings? Well." Do we have the toaster for you? We need to sell a thousand toasters to make this happen. So make sure to pick one up and tell your friends about this amazing limited edition toaster. Uh, it promises that it will deliver by October the 1st. Now, some people have pointed out that this is part of a bit of a long running joke for Sonic fans over some of the mad stuff that Sonic's face has appeared on over the years. So I did a little bit of Googling to find some other gems that Sega's applied to, uh, to products. Shoot. This, these are my favourites. This is not an exhaustive list, but these are my favourite things. Sonic the Hedgehog 3D chess set. Sonic the Hedgehog kids party supply kit. Sonic the Hedgehog memory challenge game. Sonic the Hedgehog inflatable chair. Sonic the Hedgehog curtain ties. Sonic the Hedgehog bathroom mat. This is where we start getting a bit weirder. Okay. Sonic the Hedgehog... <laughs> I can't even read it. Sonic the Hedgehog sausage and beans in a tin. <laughs> Sonic the Hedgehog toffee flavored bite sized biscuits. Sonic the flavor. Whoops. Sonic the flavor hedgehog ketchup. 
Sonic the Hedgehog tomato ketchup. Now that one I remember because that was a daddy's brand. Yeah. Um, it was a wraparound. It looked like a bottle of kids' matey, you know, the bathroom right. stuff. Right. But but, but um, Sonic Sonic shaped and ketchup. Because of course, when you when you think fast hedgehog, you think tomato ketchup. Absolutely. Well, it helps you slide along, doesn't it? Of course. Uh, finally, Sonic the Hedgehog pasta in a can. You know, my favourite of that. Of, of all those, or really the most bleak, is Sonic the Hedgehog inflatable chair. It's the one item that Sonic himself couldn't use. Because <laughs> <laughs> all the other ones he can have no problem, but put a hedgehog on an inflatable chair, and what you've got is a, de- a deflated chair. Sonic the Hedgehog piece of plastic with holes in it. Yeah. I suppose if he laid front down, like he belly flopped onto it, he'd be okay. No, you, don't, you do not want to have a hedgehog anywhere near an inflatable chair, trust me. It's not a water mattress. Still, it needs, you know, the, the whole point is that you can't really have holes. Mm. And what you're doing is putting a small, spiky uh, mammal on it. You know, there was once a Hello Kitty t- uh, kids machine gun. Uh, there was. I'm not sure if it was official, though. Although the Hello Kitty Boeing 747 uh, was official. I'm Googling this right now because I'm pretty sure it wasn't official, but I'm also pretty sure that it was. Uh, well, you've gone for Hello Kitty machine there. Oh, you, yes. You've missed off a crucial word. Oh, here we are, yes. Hello Kitty machine gun. No, not official. It's an AR-15. So, anyway, Sega's making a toaster with Sonic's face on it. It follows a long line of uh, products adorned with the face of everybody's favourite blue blur. I remember, do you remember, because we had one each, we had a Sonic the Hedgehog cassette player. Do you know where they came from? Uh, Yes, we got them on board the ferry, didn't we? Nope. I thought we bought them on the ferry. No. Between London and uh, between Holyhead and Ireland. Nope. They were from Boots. Here's another, Would you like to hear a fact about that cassette recorder? It had no rewind function. You could only fast oh, forward. Yeah. Which I think was a nod to the fact that Sonic never goes backwards. He only goes forwards and fast. That, I reckon, might be true. <laughs> I've never thought about that. But that's true. That's why people listen to the show. It's for deep insights such as... Such as that. Anyway, what is your favourite object to have the face of a two-dimensional blue hedgehog upon it? Let us know what that is. Hello at techpodcast.uk. Enclose a picture if you can, because we can then put them on the blog at techpodcast.uk. It's quite limiting. You said 2D hedgehog, yet one of your examples was a 3D chess set. The face was two-dimensional. The pieces were 3D. Let's check in with Tom Merritt for a snapshot into this week's world of technology news. Tom. This week on Daily Tech News Show, we discovered Patrick Beja thinks streaming video game services might be one of the most significant trends out of E3. Talked about the new number one supercomputer in the world at Oak Ridge National Laboratory and how that'll improve AI, health, and other fields. Discussed how the AT&T-Time Warner merger will open the floodgates for other media consolidation. Covered the two copyright directive votes coming up in the EU, one to tax links and the other to mandate upload filters. And Patrick Norton gave us the scoop on falling GPU prices and what you need to know when buying used parts. All that and much more at dailytechnewsshow.com. Thank you, Tom. Yeah, the copyright issue, actually, it's something that's going to come to a head quite soon. It's well worth a listen, I think, from the Thursday episode of DTNS, if I remember 
rightly, great summary of the issues and uh, some of the ridiculous issues actually news outlets have with Google. Uh, but there we go. And thank you to our patrons supporting us every week, including Neil Jones, Scott Pritchett, Christian Rowell and Peter Hope. If you're not a patron yet but would like to get our ad-free versions uh, of our extended shows as well, listen and interact with us live, head to patreon.com forward slash UK tech. You'll get instant access to our entire back catalogue of extended shows, which this week featured a lengthy feature about sex robots, love pillows, and whether our future future cures for loneliness are in the metallic and PVC hands of our robotic friends. It was a fascinating discussion. I would uh, strongly recommend that as your first extended show listen if you haven't got access already. Uh, and thank you to Andy Hoyle, CNET.com. Andy, what would you like to plug this week? Uh, I'll plug my Instagram page because why not? You go and follow me on Instagram with at BatteryHQ. Um, I've just had some shots up there of the Bugatti Chiron of the Rolls Royce Dawn, some very, very technical shoots, which I'm pleased with. And coming up, we've got some fashion work and I've got two new uh, video shows launching soon on CNET, which I'll be promoting on there. And also... Next week, I'm heading off on a two and a half thousand mile road trip in a new VW camper all around Europe. Um, so there'll be lots of stuff on there about the travels and what we get up to and what tech we've used to make it better. And that was at least four plugs. Um, which, what is your Instagram? At BatteryHQ. B A T T E R Y H Q. Marvelous. Uh, and thank you to everyone listening live. We will see you all, all of you, in a week. Hi, I'm Daniel, founder of Pretty Litter. Cats and cat owners deserve better than any old-fashioned litter. That's why I teamed up with scientists and veterinarians to create Pretty Litter. Its innovative crystal formula has superior odor control and weighs up to 80% less than clay litter. Pretty Litter even monitors health by changing colors to help detect early signs of potential illness. It's the world's smartest kitty litter. Go to prettylitter.com and use code ACAST for 20% off your first order and a free cat toy. Terms and conditions apply. See site for details.